<laughs> Don't say it again. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. Uh, this is the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class, recording under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport in my garage. You know, uh, I'm stay-at-home dad shut in slash slash whatever. Former, uh, you know, former, formerly, formerly hopeful actor slash comedian now, uh, generally despondent uh, American uh, random citizen number 43,732.75. Have you been? Uh, You know what? Okay. For those of you keeping score, yes, this show is late. Yes. True. Uh, True. True, true, true. Uh... You're listening to what is kind of officially, if you're keeping track, if you're, you know, it's last week's show. I know. I know. I know. We, we got, we've gotten into a bad, bad schedule and I'm going to write it this week. This week. I got to do, I'm going to do, basically I'm going to do, an, you know, whatever. We got to get back on track. I don't want to be on the current schedule that I have, which is uh, recording the show for that week on Saturday night and trying to upload it before midnight so I don't feel guilty. I couldn't do it last night. Couldn't do it. Now, it started, this thing that I'm going to tell you, it started uh, actually right around the time, and, and you know, maybe there's some correlation here, right around the time that my wife and I um, uh, started living together, you know, for real. And when I say for real, I mean... You know, not like for real before. It wasn't for real. Before had been for real, but this was like for real, for real. This was post, you know, post um, bicoastalness, three years of bicoastalness, separation. And then she moves here really, uh, you know, under the full and utter understanding that we would eventually be uh, engaged in then in matrimonial, uh, you know, whatever. Now, did you know that we just celebrated 15 years of marital uh, status? Did you know that? May, uh, I don't know, the 3rd or the 5th, probably May 4th. Uh, it's in my ring. I don't know. Whatever you do, whatever you do, especially guys, um, get the date, the exact date of your wedding engraved in your ring. It'll seem like such a romantic gesture. But really, it's a nice reference work. It really is. Better than the Encyclopedia Britannica, it is the most important bit of information you will not be able to retain in your brain no matter what. Engrave it. But right, So right about the time that Melissa moved here, um, I started, well basically what happened was, one night, we're at the apartment, we're watching uh, television or whatever, I get up to get something to drink, and instead of sitting back down on the couch afterwards and watching television... I thought it might be good to, uh, you know, uh, river dance. For whatever reason, I really had to do the river dance right then. And it wasn't like, haha, I want to be funny if I do the river dance. I want to be cool if I can try to do the river dance. It was just sort of like, I got to stand here and jiggle jaggle. Like uh, one of those dancing things on a stick. You ever seen those things? When I was a kid, you know, apparently it was a big thing in Tennessee or something. You had a little puppet on a stick. And then a plank, and you'd smack on the plank. You'd slap the... Can you hear me? Slap, 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 slap the plank, and it would slap the thing's feet, and it would make it dance or something. I felt like that. 
Like someone was slapping the plank, and I just had to sit there and wiggle my legs around. And, you know, Melissa, you know, she got kind of freaked out. What are you doing? What do you, what, you know, what do you, what is wrong with you? What is happening? Are you, you're freaking me out. And I'm like, well, can't a guy just, you know, dance a jig every once in a while in his own living room? Is that a crime now? Now, of course, I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, why do I have to dance a jig right now? What is going on? Well, it started to get very, uh, you know, how shall we say, regular. So when I went for my next checkup, I said to the doctor, hey, you know, doc, um, every once in a while, it'll be nighttime. Never in the day, never in the morning, always at night, maybe 7, 7.30, you know, whatever. I don't know what time, but... I will suddenly, uh, you know, have to, to, to do the river dance. And I don't like the river dance. I think it's embarrassing to uh, Irish people that that's really the best we can do is uh, the river dance. You know what I mean? It's not the slide, the electric boogaloo. It's not even square dancing. It's the stinking, right? It's like it's clog dancing during a potato famine. That's that's the river dance, and I'm pretty much like, hi, I gotta do the river dance every night. I'm going, I'm crawling out of my skin. I have to. the only thing that keeping me sane is doing the river dance, Doc. What what have you got for me? Anything? Well, she has nothing for. She doesn't even know what I'm talking about. She's never heard of this. She has no. She has nothing. I'm like, Doc. Seriously, I have to like jerk my feet around. Like, uh, I'm really, like, I need, if I, if I could just figure out a way to kick my foot so hard that the skin on the end of my feet burst open and I could slide, kind of like throw my own skeleton out of my body, I think that might be the only relief I can actually get. Kick, rip, slide that skeleton right out of there. Well, you know, she's got nothing for me, so when this happens... You know, I, I would just grin and bear it and grind my teeth and do a jig or do a dance or just kind of sit there and like, Ugh. you know, every once in a while we'd be watching TV, we're chatting, we're doing a thing, we're Ugh. like that, like just, you know, just trying to watch uh, whatever was on TV back. And this is a long time ago, my friend. You know, we're probably sitting there trying to watch L.A. Law for some godforsaken reason, right? And, you know, who knows, maybe it was the, uh, L.A. Law. TV was very bad then. Maybe it was giving me some sort of anxiety seizures. I have no idea. Well, eventually, you know, we uh, are recommended to another doctor. My doctor uh, retires. She wasn't exactly young. So I think to myself, you know, maybe it's because a doctor uh, such and such was so old that she didn't know about this uh, river dance kick your skeleton out of your body uh, disease. You know? Yeah, she can she can try she can talk you down when you think you have cancer of the uh, endocrinological uh, uh, system. You know, I think I had can I thought I had cancer of the lymph nodes. For some reason, I convinced myself my lymph nodes were full of cancer. It was just an ingrown uh, hair in an, an undesirable location. She had talked me through that, but she didn't have anything for me for my kicking river dance thing. So then I go to Super Doctor, you know, Dr. Sue. Go, hey, Dr. Sue, you know what? Uh, I've got this thing every night. You know, I'm trying to have a normal life. It never seems to happen when I'm out trying to do stand-up, you know, where I might be nervous. You know what I mean? You're about to go on stage. 
I never get the yeah, yeah. auditions. Never, never anything like that. Driving, nothing. It's when I'm home, kind of chilling out, and I just hey, I gotta do the raver dance right now. And you know what he says to me? Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what that could be. I have no idea. No idea. No idea. Really? Huh? How about that? Let's say ah. Say, ah, uh, we'll send you to a nutritionist. Do you have a little blood sugar? Maybe something to do with that. I don't know. I don't think so. Well, listen, I, I get used to my uh, nor- my river dance routine, you know? My jig. My little Irish, holy cow, I- I'm going to have some sort of uh, emotional breakdown uh, jig. And years go by, years go by. And, then, you know, it'll ebb and it'll flow. You know what I mean? I'll go for a while while I don't have it. Now, maybe it's because I'm exercising properly. I'm eating right. Sometimes I thought it was if I had too much sugar, too many carbs. That's not it. I'm not sleeping enough, not exercising enough. You know, I can't really get a handle on it. And I'm not the guy that can chart his entire day for three months to kind of track this. I'm not. It's not happening. Well, one night, you know, the missus and I are watching TV. And a commercial comes on. Because this is how you really learn, uh, you know, when you have a disease or an affliction, an ailment. And apparently there is now a drug for what is uh, commonly referred to as restless leg syndrome. Now, I am going to have to assume that that's what this is. Because when I'm feeling this way, my legs are restless. My legs, my legs want to go out and party. And the rest of me is like, no, we're shutting down for the night, man. No, legs, no, stop. And the legs are like, and the brain's going, no, you've got to stop doing that, please, right now. Yeah, I think it, I think that's what it must be. Now, why the two doctors didn't know about restless leg syndrome, but the people from Kaiser or uh, Pfizer or, uh, uh, you know, wherever, Genentech, I don't know who makes that jazz. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. No, you know what? I don't want to take it. Listen, I, I'm on uh, Zyrtec all day. I just got through the Paxil thing. I don't want to take a restless leg syndrome river dance medicine. I don't. And somebody wrote me an email and kind of stuck up for the pharmaceutical companies because I was kind of, uh, you know, whatever, when I was talking about Zyrtec a couple of months ago. You know, I agree with what you said because uh, basically, you know how miserable our lives would, our short, short lives would be? I'd be dead by now. Without big pharma, honestly, seriously, I'd be six feet under and so would you. So stop your bitching. But, you know, just like psychotherapy uh, in many cases, uh, you know, prescription drugs are not really to cure you so much as just maintain, you know, suppress the symptoms while maintaining a constant flow of cash from you to them. And I know that, you know, there's never going to be a pill to, to cure the common cold because there's too much money in selling NyQuil. Right. So. I just don't want to get on that train. I, I don't. You know, I'm going to be an old, old man soon enough. I'm going to have handfuls, bucketfuls of pills to take every day just to keep my heart beating. I can't go there. But usually when I do the river dance, if I do, you know, I, you know, I got 10 minutes. And it's not really the river dance. I just sit there, and, <laughs> you know. And it's really, I got to tell you, it's really unnerving. It really does. I mean, if it goes on too long, it starts to saw. Saw. 
at your very core. And yesterday, I don't know if it was because I got up really early and um, we had a big day. My folk, you know, we, we all went and had our haya. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk. I'm going to talk about karate in a couple of minutes. I don't want to get into it. You know, we had karate. Basically, oh, that, this is what we had. We had karate. And my parents were going to come over at noon because they were then all going to go to the school fair. The big school fun drazing fair. Oh, it's going to be so much fun drazing. Which is cool if that's what it's about. Hey, listen, let's stop pretending it's for fun and just admit, come right out. Listen, can I just give you $100 and I stay home? That's my question. Instead of wandering around in the heat trying to make small talk with a few people that still actually will talk to me, can I just give you another check and be on my way? But my, my folks wanted to come up. And so we we're going to meet them at noon. At the ha- they were going to come to the house. We we're going to get a little eat. Blah, 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 blah. And I, after karate, I can't find my phone. Where's my phone? I had my phone. I called my wife with the phone after the kids. After the kids, but before me, I called. Well, I go, honey, where are you? I've got the phone right here. And then I just, it's gone. So now, you know, I'm hyperventilating from actually exercising. I'm in horrible shape. Any any amount of exercising, like the warm-up to the warm-up, like the first absolute thing we do is like, okay, you know, uh, touch your knees, and I, I'm winded. So you can imagine after an hour of this, or however long it is, I can barely think, and I don't know where my phone is. My eye phone, as in I cannot live without my phone. See, the, the real downside to being an iPhone user, just like being a Trio user, a Crackberry user, whatever you're using, if you're using one of those big phones, what are they called, the smartphones? Is you have this device that's probably three by three inches, four by two inches, I don't know what's right, but it's your whole life. And it does a lot of things for you. It tells you the time, makes your calls, takes your calls, appointments, email, weather, directions, notes, Contacts, email, phone, messages, numbers, everything is in that one thing. Where's my iPhone? So I had to leave early. Next thing they know, you know, I'm back. I'm back with a panicked look on my face like somebody tried to mug me. I know I can't find my iPhone. They all spring into karate action, you know. These guys are looking for it here. These guys are looking for it there. These guys are offering to call it. They're calling it. We can't hear it vibrate. I'm running, I'm running around the building to go over to the other side to look around there. I don't see it anywhere. I cannot find my iPhone. And I, t- I tell you something, I'm not getting another one. I dropped one in the toilet. I, l- I lose one at karate. I'm not getting a third. There's no way. Unless, of course, someone wants to sponsor the show. But the point is this. So now I go home and I'm sweaty and uh, my folks are there and I have to go to the fun razor and I don't know where my phone is. I have no phone. I have no phone. Where's my phone? Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Oh, let's go to the school and stand around the heat. Where's my phone? They're going to have food there and a mechanical bull. It's going to be a lot of fun and games. Where's my phone? Let's go right now. We got to take two cars in case mom and dad want to leave early. Where's my phone? Okay, great. Let's go. You all ready to go? Where's my phone? Let's go. Where's my phone? So we go, and that's fun. You know, um, 
Here's the thing. When, um, you know, my wife and I decided at a certain point that I was going to make a serious stab at being an actor and a uh, comedian, I stopped working what you might call normal jobs, which meant that every day, because when I was working a quote-unquote normal job, what I thought at the time of it, of, at the time as a normal job, I was essentially working like from 7 in the morning till 7 at night at Universal Studios for, you know, the TV season. And then in the summertime, I would have several months off. Maybe I'd do a, come back and do a pilot at some point. As a, an office worker, I'd sit in these little office, these, fluff, uh, you know, windowless little offices and I'd work. I'd work and I'd chat up the, you know, people and the girls and the chickies and there'd be people everywhere and you had to deal with this department and that department and these guys and this bureaucracy and this red tape and all this stuff. And it was a, it was kind of a stressful job. It was kind of fun. I made a lot of friends. We had a good time. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress. I worked on a TV show. No, listen. This is how this is how crazy TV is. Maybe I've told you this before. I, I worked on a show. See, at the time, Quantum Leap was a big hit. Remember Quantum Leap? It's about a guy that uh, it, it's wacky. He, he's leaping through time. He has an invisible friend played by Dean Stockwell that talks to another guy who's invisible uh, through a uh, you know a, a set of Legos, basically. So Quantum Leap was doing very well. And so the guy that created Quantum Leap uh, created this other show that I was going to be the co production coordinator on. And uh, we did the pilot and it was called Tequila. Now, this, now keep in mind, uh, you know, Turner and Hooch was a big hit. And K-9, big hit Jim Belushi with the dog, Tom Hanks with the dog. Let's create a show with a cop and a dog. You know, it's all the rage. And this is what we're going to call it. Tequila? And Boner. Tequila will be a talking dog. He doesn't really talk. He just thinks and the audience can hear him. And uh, a Boner. Tequila. Yeah. And Boner. Now, Boner was played by R Rick Rosevich, who uh, at that time, the only thing I knew him from is being the dumb guy in Roseanne. You know, Steve Martin, uh, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac, modernization. He was the quote unquote, uh, you know, uh, speechless guy. You understand what I mean? The good looking guy who, you know, took all Cyrano's lines and got the chicky, but not really. Well, apparently at some point, and I don't even remember if they finished the pilot, they decided uh, Mr. Raj, uh, you know, no, thank you. So uh, they brought in uh, this guy, Jack Scalia, uh, just as uh, not good in my opinion, but that's for other people to decide. Anyway, you know, uh, yeah, go to the website. I'll show you a clip. I'll, I'll put a link on there. It's all on Hulu. Hulu has tequila and Bonetti. They changed it to Bonetti because, uh, you know, now Jack Scalia, you know, he's Italian. Italians don't have names like uh, Boner. <laughs> you know, not like the people that, that do have the name Boner. Now, the point I bring up to Keelan Bonetti is when I, I worked, what I would do is I'd get up very early in the morning and I'd go over to Universal and I'd work with other people. I dealt with other people all day long. Like I say, from about seven to, let just to, to generalize, seven to seven. All different departments, all different types. 
Men, women, young, old. Rich, poor, famous, not so. And then I stopped doing that, and I spent my days uh, pretty much alone. And then at night, I would, uh, you know, hang out with comedians. Uh, a very, very sane lot. And then when the, you know, then we started pumping out the kids, and then I would go to, I mean, I would go to acting classes and stuff like that, but it's such a, like, myopic, self-centered sort of thing. I mean, let's think of two groups uh, that couldn't possibly be more self-centered actors and comedians who would be, no, that's pretty much it. Politicians, there you go, the trifecta. And then when the kids were, you know, started coming, it was just me and the kid, you know, me and the kid, me and the kid, me and the kid, me and the kids, me and the kids, me and the kids, me and the kids. Don't spend much time around other people. Therefore, really kind of have lost even the tiny little bit of uh, ability I may or may not have ever had to deal with other people and their mindless chit-chat. I would so... I mean, I wouldn't mind sitting and actually getting to know the parents. But that's not really what it's about. Real life at my stage in life, a couple kids, you know, a couple kids, nine and five, you don't really get to know people really. Because, you know, eventually as soon as you get to know them, then, you know, there's going to be something you didn't need to know. So I think for these relationships to really work, you kind of just kind of get to meet them. And get to recognize them, and then they recognize you, and you wave to each other, and you have a little chit-chat, and I'm just not good at the chit-chat, I'm sorry. That, and I think some people are just nuts. So, like, for instance, now, ages ago, I told you, I went to this birthday party uh, for Hudson, with Hudson, with one of his, you know, one of his friends was turning such and such, whatever it was. And I met the dad, and the dad kind of blew me off. The dad was just kind of like, yeah, how you doing, I, I clearly was not, uh, I was just not, uh, whatever, enough for the dad. Well, the mom, you know, is really hot and cold, too. So we're sitting there. We're at the thing. And I don't care if she even hears this, although she won't. But listen, okay, okay. Listen, I know that I'm an antisocial uh, idiot. And, I, and I'm probably very hard to predict. Because it's sort of like junior high. And I've talked about this. Remember in junior high, maybe you're still in junior high, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. You walk down the hall, and if you recognize someone, you're not sure if they're going to say hi to you because it's junior high. And then by the time you're in high school, you kind of kind of tune into the whole thing. At least I did. Like, you're walking down the hall, you see someone you know, you say hi. Right? Hey, hi. Hey, sup? Yo, hey, yo, hey, hi. Oh, hey, baby. What's going on? Yeah, what's up, baby? Yeah, well, right as you go down the hall. But in junior high, you know, chicks get lockjaw. You get, lo- you know, everybody got lock. Everybody's like, I don't know, should I say hi to them? What if someone sees me saying hi to them? I don't know. They, they said, you know what they said about Tiffany? And I'm not going to say hi to him because. So I sometimes get that vibe at school. So it's very hot, not much shade. And I'm sitting there with my father and I think H at that point. The ladies had gone, the, the, you know, T, you know, T and uh, Nana were off riding ponies and uh, Melissa went off to get a beverage. But they were coming right back. We were expecting the, you know, Nana, 
tirade uh, duo any second. And Melissa's coming right back with a beverage. Next thing I know, the wife of the, right? The, the guy that blew me off, his ex-wife, ex-wife, clue number one, ex-wife, they're exed. His ex-wife, lovely girl though, I gotta tell you. I'm gonna give her a credit for that. Walks up with three kids, uh, only one of which is her own, and says, we're going to borrow some of this shade you've got here as she's sitting down. She got a big smile on her face. She kind of, her face is like, hey, we're the best of friends. Hey, I'm just, we're just going to barge in on your shade here. Kind of like, ah, ha, ha. Like, what, like, you know what? From an actual friend of mine, that would be a completely normal, cool thing to have happen. But we're not friends. You're not friends. See, the normal thing, like with our relationship, honey, the normal thing would be, hi, is anyone sitting here? Do you mind if we sit down? Is anyone, are these available? Is this available? Is this cool? Can we do this? No, as her butt, her shapely butt, is descending down to the chair. We are barging. I'm smiling. I can say anything I want as long as I'm either smiling or I say no offense. We're taking, we are sitting here, jackass. I'm smiling and we're sitting here. And then whoosh, she's there. Again, would not have been an offense to me in any way if she had then made even the slightest attempt in any way to meet my gaze, engage in the most perfunctory of conversations because it's all I can bear anyway. I mean, my father must know, like, not know what's going on because when she did it, I was like, hey, like, I know you. I've been to your apartment building and we watched the kids swim. Remember that? If I would, did you listen to the show where I made fun of your ex-husband blowing me off? I highly doubt it. I mean, if that's it, then just, then, you know, you wouldn't even be sitting here, right? I mean, I don't know what's going on. Listen, you were so happy as you were sitting. And then once your ass was planted, that was it. She never looked at me. She never spoke to me. It was as if we were on the subway uh, heading uptown. Now listen. Now li listen. You know me. You know I know I'm a self-centered, right? I'm aware of it. I'm a self-centered, crazy person in my ways. I am not the most social guy in the world. However... Our kids have been in the same class now for four years. I have been to your, I, your ex snubbed me. We saw each other at that, that restaurant that time. You remember, you really, you got nothing? You got nothing? This is really, you know what? Maybe it isn't me. Maybe it isn't me. Maybe everyone else is absolutely nuts. I don't, I don't, uh, right? Hello? Now listen, I'm not, I don't want to be everybody's best friend, but there, isn't there still this kind of like minimum engagement of like, hey, how you doing? Boy, it's hot. Huh? Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Hudson? Okay. And then eat and then do your thing and then proceed. You can't even say hi to H. What are you nuts? 
And meanwhile, you know, there, there's a couple there that doesn't go to school there. Their kid has, is going to start with Princess. And we know them from dancing. The girls dance together at the dancing school. Normal is pie. Normal is pie. I wonder if it's because the, the school hasn't killed them yet. Hasn't made them nuts. Hasn't turned them against me because I don't volunteer every damn second I'm awake. You know why I don't volunteer every damn second? Because I got I to gotta work, man. I got to make some bread. I feel like I'm working all the time and, and make nothing. It's, it's the strangest thing. And I, and I guess it's because, you know, I got a couple hours in the car in the morning, a couple hours in the car in the afternoon and this, and you got to ramp up this, you got to feed them and all that stuff. But you know what? And, and I'm sure you feel this way, parents. I'm not digging on this two working parents thing. Like this weekend, it's a prime example. Melissa, she's in the house right now working. I'm recording this. Hold on, let me look behind me. Yeah, it's 10.10 p.m. on a Sunday night. Melissa has been working all day. And she has no illusions that she's going to be in bed before 1. On a Sunday night. Okay, okay. And I've got this, I've got that, I've got a conflict with this, so I've got to get that done. These tiny little jobs that I take for very little money, but you know what? I got it's got to keep. We got you got to keep it coming in, right? But what happens is then on the weekends, the weekends are just like the weeks. And during the week, I'm either taking the kids somewhere, bringing them back somewhere, I'm cooking something, or I'm worried about when they're going to go to bed so I can work. My whole life, their whole life is watching their mother and father avoid having fun with them because they have to work. And maybe this is where we're heading. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you could be there. Like, like as, soon as, as soon as work comes home, there's not that dividing line. I really envy people that work 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 or 8 to 6. Whatever it is, as long as, you know, if you can punch the clock and once you've punched it, you're out of work. God, I just... That is just fantastic, I think. I think that's, I hope you count that as a blessing. Maybe it doesn't feel like one. Maybe it feels like utter drudgery because you know at 4.30, you know exactly where you're going to be. But the truth is you also know at 7.30 exactly where you're going to be and it's not at work. But here in the States, the economy is uh, screwy. We're all panicking. We're paying four bucks plus for a gallon of gas. We're not used to that. I know maybe you Europeans, are used, we're not used to that. That's cutting into our big screen TV fund. I mean, people have been squawking about it now for a while. They've been squawking, squawk, 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 you know. Oh, it's driving up food prices, going to do this, going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is really. And then I go to the grocery store like, hey, I'm going to break 200. What? What's going on here? I don't break 200. I break, I broke 100 a couple years ago. Yeah, sure, but we we no, we are not breaking 200 on a load of groceries. Are you kidding? Now, meanwhile, you know, if I said this before, meanwhile, you know, gas is going up. And everyone's like, well, you know, it's price of oil. Price of oil is going up. Well, gas keeps going up, and the oil companies are experiencing record profits. Let me see. I, you know, I'm not wasn't an economics major, but I can do one plus one. Two plus two. I don't think they're making all that money selling Zagnut bars in the gift shop. That's not air freshener profit. That's gas pump profit, folks. 
And it wasn't even bothering me until just like two weeks ago. Because look, things always go up. Things go up. You know what I mean? Things go up. But then they started saying, well, you know what, though? For restaurants, you know what restaurants are doing? Like, no, what are they doing? Tell me. I want to know. I barely go to restaurants anymore. I'd like to know what they're up to. Because, you know, we've been scaling back in the restaurants because they don't want to reprint their menus, you know. But food's going up. So it's smaller portions. No. Yeah, smaller portions, of course. I'm like, ah, you got to be kidding me. I didn't believe it. I, I got to be honest with you. Until I went to get Froyo. Froyo? No, no. You can't play with Daddy's Froyo. Daddy needs his Froyo. Daddy needs his Froyo. Fill it up. No, I go to the Froyo place. I go to the Froyo place. I order a small. Small's not really that small. Medium became too much. Listen, that was too much. At a certain point, that was too much. Now, listen, because it's not, you know, I, I put peanuts on it. I, I like my nuts. I need a little protein in there, right? They were making my small smaller. Listen, my small is small enough. Don't make my small smaller. I don't want a smaller small. I don't want a smaller small. My small is small enough. Small is small, not really small. The extra small is extra small. Don't make my small extra small. You've already got an extra small. Make it small. If you offer small and I pay for small, give me small. That's all I'm saying. Don't mess with daddy's froyo. Don't mess with daddy's froyo. I don't want a smaller small. Small is small, not really small. I don't want a smaller small. If you offer small and I pay for small, give me small. That's all I'm saying. The extra small is extra small. Don't make my small extra small. You've already got an extra small. Make it... Small. Now, you know I've been studying karate for almost two weeks now. I'm almost, I'm almost um, able to not feel faint. Almost. I mean, I can't even sit in the weird little, it's not even weird, it's a normal way. I can't even sit in the way you're supposed to sit when you're sitting in karate. You sit, uh, how, how do I even describe it? Like you, you know, you sit in that way that you sit when you're, shins are on the floor and then your thighs are directly above your shins so you're kind of sitting kind of near your uh, ankles you know that way I don't know what you call that you know what I mean though right you're sitting right your your shin bone is on the floor your feet are flat kind of out behind you your butt is on you know your ankle that hurts that hurts me that hurts me but what we do is we warm up then we do our punches, we do our kicks, you know what I mean? We do some of this, we do some of that, we learn some makatas. And then uh, we spar, which is very humiliating. Now, let me be very clear about something. 
and I, I hope I've made this clear in the past, I do not study martial arts because I think I am a tough guy. I, I, don't, I, I hope that goes without saying. There are two kinds of people that study martial arts, guys that think they're tough guys and guys that know that they are not tough guys. But just don't want to look like a complete, you know, little girl when they're getting their uh, ass handed to them. Right? That, that's me. I'm in camp number two. Not the tough guy camp. The please tough guy, don't humiliate me too badly camp. And if I had been a tough guy when I went into, uh, you know, started back up, I am no longer a tough guy. Because, I, you know, I, I felt like, hey, you know what? No, yeah, I had, you know, I had a year of kung fu before... Uh, you know, before age was born, probably another year, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I, you know, I, I'm a little warming up and I'll be kicking some butt. No, not really. Not, no, no, actually, Dan, no. It is very humbling to get your ass kicked by a 13-year-old girl in her pajamas. You know, you think you're taking it easy on bang, right in the cheekbone. You know? So we spar. And then after we spar, uh, we're done. But, you know, the grandmasters, you know, the grandmaster is from Japan. Now, this should not shock you. This is a Japanese man who believes that we should uh, learn the Japanese way. And in his way, when you're done, you don't just run out and say, bye, see you later, and that's it. Drive off in your uh, Lexus. That's the American way. The American way is, okay, we're done. See you later. Bye. You show up. How you doing? You start. You do your thing. Leave. He wants us to stay. We stay. We talk. That's his thing. You got to talk, drink some water, relate, bond, the whole thing. Because his feeling is if you just leave right away, you don't get to know the people. And if you get to know the people and then the 13-year-old girl punches you in the face, you're not as upset with the 13-year-old girl because you feel like you know the 13-year-old girl. And obviously you're not going to get too PO'd at a 13-year-old girl. But what if it's a, you know, a 30-year-old guy and smack you in the face? You know, if you see him as a friend, you're not going to get so, uh, you know, whatever. And it's taking me a while to get used to hanging around and talking. Now, the good news is everybody's very cool. Everybody's very cool. Everybody's very cool. I really, everybody is very cool and nice and great and great. I'm very happy. So we talk, we talk, we talk. And eventually, you know, uh, the Grandmaster starts coming out with pearls of wisdom. And he doesn't make a big deal. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying there's some big pretentious like, shh, 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 everyone, the Grandmaster now will speak. It's not like that at all because he's not like that at all. But he'll always come up, and, and, you know, my sense of it is he'll, he'll come up with, uh, you know, something. He'll say something that, that at first seems, you know, like the thing about cleaning the toilet. You know, on one hand, he's advising you to clean your own damn toilet. And on the other hand, he's giving you some uh, deep, meaningful, uh, you know, Mr. Miyagi thing, right? So he says... And I'm not going to do him, uh, you know, the disrespect of doing the Japanese accent. That's, uh, you know, that's not cool. And, and yet, maybe I will. But we'll see. Uh, he says, there, listen, there are two phrases and only two phrases you need to know to get through life. I'm sorry. 
and thank you very much. That's it. Now, that seemed weird to me. I thought it was going to be uh, who knows what, right? Because in karate, you're always saying this thing. You're always saying, us, us. That's for everything. It's hello. It's like aloha. It's like, hello, goodbye. Yes, I understand. I agree. Uh, you know, whatever. Us, us, us. That's all we do. We say us every third word. It honestly sounds like it's a workout for uh, Tourette's patients or something. But that's just what you do. I don't know what it specifically means. That's just, right? Say us. I'm going to say, I'm either going to say us or look like an idiot. I'm going to say us, you know. So no, he says, no. I'm sorry, and thank you very much. And if you think about Japanese culture, and, uh, you know, think about American stereotypes of Japanese culture, especially like those great scenes from Lost in Translation. Have you, have you ever seen that movie? I love that movie. I hated it. When I first saw Lost in Translation, I hated it. I watched the first half, and I thought it was the most boring thing I'd ever seen, and then I'm driving around the next day going, wow, you know what? I think that movie might actually rock. So now I love Lost in Translation, where Bill Murray is essentially stuck in Japan for, uh, you know, I don't know, a week, let's say. But there are all the, you know, there are several jokes where they're making fun of the way Japanese people speak, because, uh, you know, they don't actually speak English over there. So why are we making fun? Do you speak Japanese, fun maker? No, us. But the Japanese people in, in anything you ever see, whether we're making fun of them or not, they're always saying, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oh, so sorry. So sorry. Thank you very much. Right. But the Grandmaster's point was, hey, listen, in here, in the dojo, in the school, it's very easy to say, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. All that stuff, because, you know, that's the, the atmosphere. But he said out there and he points out the door. Very hard, very hard to say, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know what? He's really, I mean, this is simplifying the hell out of things. Let's uh, not kid ourselves, but he's really kind of onto something there. Because, you know, uh, we're, we're in the school, we're learning to defend ourselves. They always say that about martial arts, right? You're learning to defend yourself. And it's true. A true martial artist should be trained to not attack, to only defend. But if you think about how few times you would actually ever have to defend yourself if you would just learn to say on the outside, how, how few times you'd get into any kind of fight. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? A guy cut you off in traffic and he starts out, oh, I'm so sorry. A guy, I some guy was accusing me of cutting him off in traffic one night. He was so irate. He was absolutely beside himself. He's like, oh, didn't you even see me? And I, you know, what do you think you're doing? Did I say I was sorry? No, F no. I didn't see it, buddy. You didn't hit me, did you? All right, then put your finger away right now. Now, the reason I didn't say I was sorry probably is because, uh, you know, I thought I could take him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was doughier than me. He was balder than me. He had a, a you know, a, a shirt with stripes on it. You know what I mean? Some big fat Lexus guy. Hey, listen. I'll take that finger and I'll shove it up your rear end. Roll up your electric window, jackass. Learn to use your brakes when I'm around. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. It just, I don't know, it really hit home. So... You know, this was the other night. This was Tuesday, right? It's Tuesday night. This happens. 
He tells us this. It was cool. But I was kind of late getting home because we're all jabbing. You know, we're jabbing. And then we got to clean the place. We got to clean the, uh, you know, clean the mats. I got to learn the right way to clean the mats. Apparently, you're supposed to go uh, against the grain. I had no idea. So, uh, you know, I get home. Now, I did not change out of my karate pants. I left them on because the first time I put on my karate pants, um, I did it backwards. And a guy had to tell me I had my pants on backwards. And so, I don't know, I just didn't want to be taking on, you know, I wanted to minimize it. So, I left on my karate pants and I just shoved my pants with the pockets full into my gym bag. And I, then I put the top of the uniform on top of that with a belt and the whole thing. So, when I get home, uh, and this is going to sound insane, I know. This is how crazy I am sometimes. I'm so unpredictable. I, I go up on the porch and I get to the door and I, um, I know, I knocked. I knocked on the door of my house. You know, the house that I'm not in, but yet kind of expected to be at, at any moment I should be arriving. Wouldn't that be the expectation? Knock, knock, knock. My wife comes to the door. You scared the hell out of me. How could I scare? It, it's 930. I'm not home. You're expecting me home around, uh, I don't know, 930. I don't know. It's just the way you were knocking. What? Like in what? Like a way that a person might knock if they didn't want to wake up the children that are in the next room, like right off the porch. Is that, was it kind of like that knock? Kind of like, was it kind of like that? Did you want me to go like that? And then you would have been scared that it was somebody loud and aggressive. And instead of like that, like don't wake the kids, knock, knock, knock. So I've been on three seconds and all of my Zen training is now gone. Because already I'm a jackass for knocking at all. I should have known better to never put out anyone in the family. Oh my God. Now the kids, my, you know, my, I think my wife has gone on one frozen yogurt run in my kajillion. And the kids are so used to either of us doing for them. Hudson, you know, I love you, buddy. Hudson will get out of bed, leave his bedroom, come into the living room, and ask us to turn off his bedroom light. So I'm in the bedroom, and I'm changing out of my luckily not backwards karate pants. And I really want to show, I'm exhausted, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm exhausted. And all I want to do is take a shower and uh, just chill out and then maybe a little daily show. We, we, we stay up all night watching daily show and cold bear. It's bad. And then the phone rings. Now, I got to give you a little backup, a little uh, backtracking here. My son, uh, you know, he goes to a private school and one of the ways they raise money and it's all they do all day. But one of the ways they do is they sell advertising in the yearbook. And uh, many of the parents will buy a little ad, a big ad, a full page, whatever, and say to the kid, okay, congratulations, you didn't fail out of fifth grade. You know, Hannah, we're so happy for you, Jackson, whatever your name is. So my wife and I say, you know what we do? We know what we should do. Hudson, I don't know if he would dig on like, hey, Hudson, congratulations, you didn't screw up third grade. But let's maybe put an ad in there for ARF. Now, ARF is a puppet show 
that I make. It's a video podcast that I do with Hudson. Hudson is a producer, writer, star of this show. He's brilliant. We work, we do it together. It's a whole thing. Father, son, this is it. We're going to put the ARF ad in the yearbook. Now, my friend, um, you know, back in my stand-up days and um, my acting days, I also, on the side, I would do some advertising work because I went to school for advertising. I learned advertising. I've worked in advertising. My wife was in advertising. So I I did, uh, you know, for a while I, did, I would create, produce, and, um, you know, have published these uh, ads in magazines, real magazines. And so I have a lot of experience doing that sort of thing. And then, of course, my wife has even more experience. She's, uh, you know, the advertising hotshot. So, but what we got to do is we got to get camera-ready artwork together for the yearbook, even though they're, they're going to scan it. So that's good. So we're printing something out that you're going to scan. We could have just given you a JPEG probably, but okay, we don't want to rock that boat. Now, this is my recollection of what happened. So Melissa puts the ad together, prints it out till she's happy with it because she's the creative director, trust me. I take it. Now, I have filled out the paperwork. I've written the check. Again, my recollection, I write ARF on the check. I write Dan Class and my cell number on the ad because that's what I do. Whenever I would s- submit anything, you know, you always put a little readme file in there if there's a, if it's media. You write the name, the email address everywhere, the, or not email, the uh, you know, your cell phone, whatever. Because things always get... You know, they're going here, they're going there, you know, you, you never know. Now, again, that's my recollection of the situation. Now, then what happens is, now, you know, I don't, uh, you don't, you know that I don't work that much, but you know that I am a podcasting icon. You know that, right? I'm a podcasting, po- according to tra- Christian you know, the Christian Science Monitor, which, uh, by the way, um, you know, isn't just uh, for Christians. The Christian Science Monitor uh, says that I'm a pioneer. Okay, people? And I expect to be treated uh, as uh, such. Well, apparently, what I did is I, I had a job the other, uh, on Monday. Was it just this Monday past? Really? Wow, I guess so. Uh, I was hired to teach someone podcasting one-on-one all day. This uh, wonderful woman came in from Canada. I almost said Canada. I always say that. I'm sorry, Canadians. But she flew in from Canada. We met, uh, you know, at uh, the offices of Schwartzman PR, my man, Eric Schwartzman, and I taught her about how to do it, how to do it, how to record it, how to, up, you know, the whole thing. We, we went through the whole thing. That was my job for that day. I was so happy. I loved doing it. She was great, very smart woman but see here here's the thing is you know my attitude is this woman now she's she has a small pr agency up there in uh you know one of those places up there uh over the border so she has paid money to come to america from toronto or wherever and be in that room with me and be taught podcasting Right? Now, so dur- during a lull in the action, you know, I had people kept calling me, of course, because I'm working. You know, the one day I'm, I, I, you know, I'm busy. Everybody's got to call me. 
So I listen to my voicemails, and I have this one voicemail from this woman. She says, hello, I'm calling. She's got this that accent. This accent that I will not do, I cannot do. I don't know where she's from. I don't know if she's from Jamaica. I don't know if she's from uh, Honduras. I don't know if she's from Spain, Portugal, Iceland. I have no idea what this accent was. I can't do it. I can't understand it. She's like, hello, and I'm calling from the school, and I need the yearbook. I have a, I have yearbook art for this thing called ARF, and I have a check with your name on it and paperwork, but the the paperwork doesn't say ARF, and the artwork doesn't say your name, and I don't know what to do, and you must call me right away. Call me right away. I'm an extension such and such, or email me at narino.aol.com. So I'm like, well, I can't call this woman because I feel bad because the Canadian... PR gal has flown all the way here from Canada. So I'm going to write Narino at AOL.com. Right? I write it down. Narino at AOL.com. And on my iPhone, I put in Narino. Hey, thank you. So, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yes, that's me. Any questions? Give me a ring. Thanks. Or uh, drop me a line. Thanks, Dan Class. See you later. I've got to get back to being a podcasting icon and teach this woman. Send. And I think it's handled. Cut to the next night. Ring, 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 ring. Oh, boy. she Melissa didn't want me knocking, and now the phone's ringing. This is great. Now, listen, it's quarter of ten by now. Anyone calls after about 9 o'clock, we assume that someone is dead. Now, maybe you're young. Maybe you get phone calls after 9 all the time. Listen, we got kids and we have old parents. Right? If we get a call after 9, 9.15, 9.30, 9.45, oh my gosh, someone's gone. So I snatch up the phone right away. Now, listen, it's probably a wrong number. It's probably some jackass misdialing. It better not be a telemarketer. But it, either way, I got to snatch up the phone because if it's someone dead, I, you know, we got to, right? Hello, and I'm calling from the school, and I have artwork, and I have no name, and I have a name, and I have no artwork. And I can feel my blood go boom, boom, boom. So I blurt out, hey, did you, you didn't get my email? No, I didn't get an email and I have artwork. I have artwork with no name and I have a name and no artwork. And it's this, it's this thing that's called, I don't know, R for something. It's about a boy. It's something about a mechanical robot, a dog or a bear, some sort of animal thing. I just don't know. No. Okay, hold on. B- bitch, that that's my kid's show. Okay? Don't No, you're not dissing my kid's show. You're not dissing my No, you're not dissing my kid's show. That's my kid's show. Listen, if you don't know the name of it, that's one thing, but don't start describing it to me in this dismissive tone. Don't be condescending to my boy's show. Luckily, I don't say that. Luckily, I go, yes, I know what it says. 
It's, it is my artwork. Yes, absolutely. And there's a long pause. Well, because I had this artwork. You see, normally the artwork will have a name on it. And the, and the name, remember, but I had this artwork and it had no name. and it had Yes, I understand. That is definitely mine. Well, you should have written your name on the artwork and the name of the artwork on the... Well, I thought I had. Actually, I find it quite unusual that I didn't. You see, I do that sort of thing quite regularly, and it is quite my habit to put my name on everything. I, I really find it astonishing. Couldn't you check it? Well, you see, the paperwork goes to Mrs. So-and-so, and I get the artwork, and I had the artwork, and I'm like, don't say it again. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. Because if you say it again, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to come over there with my robotic lion. It's a lion. It's a robotic lion. It's going to be a big, gigantic, robotic lion the size of King Kong, and we're going to come over to your side of town and going to trample over your house. Eventually, she stops talking, and I say, Well, it is mine. For sure. What exactly can I do to help you at this point? Because, you see, I think to myself, I have established now 17 times that ARF was mine. Yes, the ARF ad is mine. My name is Dan Class, and the art artwork is mine. What can I do for you? Well, I had this artwork, you see. I had artwork with no name, and the paperwork goes up to Mrs. So-and-so. Don't say it. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. I swear to God, if you, if you explain this to me one more time, like I'm being trained to take over your job, which I sure as shit am not, don't say it again. Don't explain it again. Let's not go over it again, because I swear to God, I'm going to come over your house, and I want to see the artwork, and I want you to show me where my name is not. And I want to see the check, and I want to see where the does not say ARF. I want to see all the paperwork right now, because I swear to God, nothing is leaving this house and going to that school without first being scanned ever again. Don't say it. 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 Don't say it again. I swear to God, I'm going to freaking lose it. See, now I have a weird relationship with this woman. Because now this woman is the woman that I hate. I hate Mrs. Norino, who didn't get my email because her name is Marino with an M, not Norino with an N. But because she uh, didn't feel it was important enough to enunciate or spell it, you know, spell your damn name when you leave a message. Okay, should I have called? Yes. Should I have called? Yes. Should I have called and confirmed that she got the email and she knew what was going on? Yes. Because I should definitely have to be the one that's on top of everything. Absolutely. Everything is completely and utterly my responsibility. If anything goes to you, and I, I still got to be the one to follow up. 
but now I hate this woman and she probably hates me. She probably has me on this list, just like I have her on my list. I have her on my fecal list. She's on my poopoo list. I don't like her. If I ever see Mrs. Norino or Marino or whatever it is, I'm going to feel my hands kind of tighten up into kind of a squeezy, squeezy feeling. A squeezy, squeezy feeling. Whenever she sees me, I'm going to be the jackass that didn't put his name on the artwork that was so rude on the phone. Even though really all I said was, is there anything else I can help you with? And I hate carrying that stuff around. I hate having people that hate me. I mean, oh, nobody's really that interested in me. Or maybe they just think I'm an idiot or whatever. But to actually fully have a, a relationship, like I have a relationship now with this woman. that, And I don't want to have a relationship with her. I don't want to have a relationship with her. Absolutely not. And you know what? Really, the bad thing about it is I could have avoided the whole thing. You know how? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. All right, that was the viewer's bill. And, uh, you know, ironically, this show is uh, about an hour long. Uh, but And this was the show where I was going to say, you know what, listen, I've been trying to do these hour-long shows and they're killing me. Because sometimes the show's not an hour, people. My friend, sometimes the show doesn't need to be an hour. Sometimes it could be shorter or longer. And and, I, and so, listen, basically, I ain't going to tell you. I, I, you know, I can't, I'm not, I, I tried to promise you an hour, I'm not going to promise. Now, this time, it was, again, I gave an hour. There you go. I'm just saying that in the future, it might not be, I don't want to hear it. If you want to unsubscribe, go for it. Trust me, you're not going to be the first. <laughs> not by a long shot. So listen, tell your friends. If you if you think they'll like it, you know, tell your friends about the bitter spill. Uh, we're going to have an affiliate program set up. In fact, it may, see, see, I have this bad habit. Do you do this where... Like, I do these things where I do all the work it takes to start some new thing, and then I don't do that last one tiny trigger-pulling step. I'm going to launch the affiliate program right now. Uh, yeah, if someone... Oh, that's what I was waiting for. Eh, well, we'll just work. Anyway. Yeah, affiliate program. I think it's like, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice. I think it's, I think it's like 50 cents. If someone joins, you get 50 cents of what they pay in perpetuity, if I understand correctly. Yeah, which you know what? Hey, that can add up for uh, just putting a little thing on your website. Do you have a blog? Do you have a website? MySpace? You know, are you one of those kids, one of those teenage kids that, uh, uh, you know, can't uh, pay for the show or whatever? All right, I'll start a scholarship for you. But the, for the other people, listen, affiliate program, that's all I'm saying. Uh, for full information, go to thebitterspill.com if you have any questions. You know, it's it's really kind of in a beta right now, so uh, help me get it going. 206-309-0130 is now the number because I lost pill, P-I-L-L. So don't dial that, dial 0130. Leave me a message just like this one. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, by the way, I found the iPhone. I found the phone. You know where it was? It was in my gym bag under the vinyl colored cardboard bottom. What a great place to hide a phone. If I had only known where to hide my phone. 
Melissa found it. She called it and she heard it. She heard it and she found it. Thank you, honey. Thank you very much. Dan Class, Concho of Podcasting. Grandmaster of Podcasting. Loving the bitters pill as always. This is Les, longtime listener of Zaldor's World. Keep up the great work. Loved your story about uh, karate and going back to karate and how it was like a uh, very cleansing experience is the way you described it. Described it. That's great because, uh, yeah, I, uh, my son as well does go to karate as, as weekly. I just wish he could get that out of it. <laughs> so uh, working on it. But uh, as always, Concho class, uh, keep up the great work. Always listening. Take care. Dan, it's Mark. Excuse me. I just listened to the Bosco show. Wow, that was really wrenching. I know that couldn't have been easy for you. It's rough stuff, but it was really eloquent and sad. And I'm glad you're alive, and I'm glad I'm alive. See you later, man. Bye. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media, jacketmedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.